0: Father, I thank you so much, Lord, for this opportunity once again to study your word. Father God, I decrease that uh, you might be magnified and that you might increase in me. And so Father, I pray that you would speak to every heart. Father God, I pray that through the power of the Holy Spirit, that you would inspire us today. Lord, that we will not be the same, that Lord, that we will be challenged, God, to prioritize the kingdom of God. And Father, we thank you, we praise you, and we give you glory. In Jesus' name, amen. Well, today, again, the title of my sermon is Prioritizing the Kingdom. How do we know that there are a lot of things that fight for our attention on a regular basis? And many of us have uh, so many, many priorities. We're dealing with home and work, and traffic, and school, and all these things, there are so many things that are fighting for our attention today. But that's why I think that it's so important that we remember that we must prioritize the kingdom. In fact, if you and I don't learn to prioritize, we can find ourselves out of order real quick. How many you know that? We can find ourselves in a whole lot of trouble until we learn how to prioritize. And unfortunately, there are so many things. Today's society, it is just so busy. You know, there's just a busyness. In particular, when you live here in Northern Virginia, where where it just seems like there are so many things going on. And it's hard to really settle down. But the only way it's going to happen is we have to do it on purpose. And we have to make sure that in no matter what we are doing, that the kingdom of God is the number one priority in our lives. And there are a lot of people that talk a lot about you hear people say, well, you know, I love the Lord and I love the Lord. I love the Lord. But when you really begin to come into a love relationship with the Lord, then one of the things that's going to happen is you are going to prioritize the kingdom of God. The kingdom of God is to have preeminence in our lives. In fact, everything that you and I do should be filtered through the kingdom of God. And so we're going to be dealing with this thing today. And I really pray, I I just want to lay a foundation. I pray that you would really just open your heart because God's going to drop some things into you today. And I think that, listen, it's going to be a little bit tough, but how many know? That the word of God sometimes is tough. I always say that uh, salvation is free, but discipleship is going to cost you something. And so today I'm going to give you a little bit of meat, but it's going to bless you. And I think that it's going to change your life if it hasn't already, because when you and I learn how to prioritize the kingdom of God as believers, everything else falls into place. It's when as believers, when the kingdom of God is not prioritized, that we find ourselves out of order. Just like you remember the children of Israel, you know, that for 40 years, they're roaming around in, in the desert, back and forth, forth and back, ever learning, but never coming to a knowledge of the truth. You see, we need not to be those kinds of people. We need to learn, and I think, and listen, as as soon as we can begin to understand the importance of the kingdom of God, and we begin to prioritize it, then we will quickly begin to grab hold of our destiny and what it is that God has called for us to do. Can you say amen to that? Turn to Matthew chapter number 13. Now, I want you all to talk back to me today. Hallelujah. I want you to talk back to me. That way I know you are alive. Hallelujah. Somebody say amen. Amen. Glory. That's good. I like a good amen every now and then. Matthew chapter number 13. And we're going to be starting there in verse number 44. Matthew chapter 13, verse number 44. The kingdom of heaven is like a treasure hidden in the field, which a man found and hid again. And from joy over it, He goes and sells all that he has and buys that field. I want you to get that. The kingdom of heaven is like a treasure hidden in the field, which a man found and hid again. And from joy over it, he goes and sells. Listen to this. All that he has and buys the field. And verse number four to five. Again, the kingdom of heaven is like a merchant seeking fine Pearls. And upon finding one pearl of great value, he went and sold all that he had and he brought it. What Jesus is teaching here is the importance of the kingdom of God. Here you have this man in this parable. He recognized the value of his treasure. And when he sees the value of his treasure, what does this man do? He immediately goes and sells everything that he has for the value of that treasure. And the same thing with this person with the with the with the pearl of great price. This individual finds this pearl and recognizes the value of this pearl. And see, the thing of it is, is that when we as Christians, when we really recognize the value of who we are in Jesus, when we really recognize the value of the kingdom of God, then we will sell everything that we got. We will give everything that we are. And and listen, and all that we are, we will give back into the kingdom. Why? Because we understand that the kingdom of God is the most valuable thing on the planet. See, as believers, there is nothing more valuable. There is nothing more satisfying. There is nothing that is going to to bring us the satisfaction that we are all seeking for outside of the parameters of the kingdom of God. You see, these folks, they understood. They said, you know what? I found something very, very valuable. I mean, know that as Christians, we have something very, very valuable. There is nothing more valuable than Jesus. How many of you would, would agree with that? But not only when they found, you know, they found, they realized the, the valuableness of it, but it says that they gave everything that they had to it. You see, what they did was they prioritized the kingdom of God. And you and I need to recognize and realize the importance Are prioritizing the kingdom. Because a lot of people say they're about the kingdom of God, but the kingdom of God is not number one in their lives. You know, let's let's be real. Can we be real today? I mean, the kingdom of God is somewhere. You know, a lot of people say, well, I want to make God a part of my life. How many know that God didn't come to be a part of your life? God came to take over your life. We can't give God any part of us. God wants all of us. In fact, he says, if you're either hot or you're cold, he says, if you're lukewarm, lukewarm, I will spit you out. That's what he says. Because Jesus, he deserves all of us. And listen, when we listen, if we can get this in our spirit about the kingdom and its relevance and its importance to us, we will find that our lives will be much, much more happier and fulfilling. I didn't say you wouldn't have obstacles, but you would get a revelation that, wow, I found something valuable. What happens when somebody finds something valuable? They get really excited or they might put it in a what? A safe deposit box. You know, when they find something really valuable, people get really excited and they guard it and they protect it. And listen, they give their whole self to it because you know why this is very, very important. The question I have for you today is what's really important to you? Is the kingdom of God the most important thing to you? Because we're talking here today about prioritizing the kingdom. Matthew 6, 19. Many of us are familiar with this passage of scripture. And it says, do not store up for yourselves treasures on earth where moth and rust destroy and where thieves break in to steal. But listen to what he says here. But store up for yourselves treasures in heaven where neither moth nor rust destroys and where thieves do not break in to steal for where your treasure is. Guess what? there your heart will be also. You see, when will the church ever get it and begin to understand it, that, that there is no security in material things? There is no security. And you know, the enemy is always trying to throw things at us. You remember Jesus? Jesus, when he was being tempted by the devil, the devil says to Jesus, he says, he says if you Fall down and worship me. I'll give you all these kingdoms. He takes Jesus up on his high pinnacle and he shows him all the kingdoms of the world. He says, Jesus, I'll give all of this to you. But Jesus recognized that it's all about the kingdom of God. And he wasn't about to listen to the deception and the lie of the enemy. Because he's always trying to tell us, you know, that, that somehow, some way, we're going to find happiness in security in this life, in the things of this world, and the reality of it is, is they never ever satisfy. It is not until we come into that place that we understand that we belong to God and that we are ambassadors for him and that God has left us here to represent his kingdom and his authority in the earth. It's not until we realize that, well, we will be just like the children of Israel. We will be roaming around having the same kind of problems over and over and over again because we haven't prioritized the kingdom. He says, Where your treasure is, there will your heart be. What do you treasure the most? Just think about that for a moment. What is it that you really treasure? Do you really treasure Jesus the most? If you treasure Jesus, then you will treasure his kingdom and it will be evident to all. It will be evident to all because you understand that the things of this world are temporal. Look around you. Whatever it is that you see, all of this that we're looking at, this building, these chairs, the house that you live in, the car that you drive, that bank investment, all that stuff. Guess what? It's temporal. Then why do we spend so much time running after temporal things? We need to take, listen, all the things that we have, we need to find a way to invest it back into the kingdom. You remember what these folks did. They realized what the valuableness of what they had, and they gave everything to it. Can you imagine if the whole church came to that place where we really, really valued the kingdom and we gave everything that we had to the kingdom? How many people would get saved? How many lives would we really changed? But so much of the church today, and, and, and I hate to say this, but I got to be honest. So much, so much of the church today is, is going back and forth trying to find something that's in it for me. What can I get from this? What I mean, what, who can meet my need? Well, you know, I'm not happy today. I'm all up. Look, what can I do for me? And so you have a bunch of people in church looking for trying to figure out a way to get the next big house, trying to figure out a way to drive the next big car. And that becomes their focus. Now, are we saying that anything wrong with houses and cars? No, but that should not be our focus. The thing that listen, every decision that you and I make, we should filter it through the authority of the kingdom of God. Oftentimes, we don't do that. And then we fall into the trap like the world. And you know what the world does. The world is all about here. They live like this is it. But how many know that as Christians, we have much, much more waiting for us? We have the true treasures and the true riches. Look at your neighbor and say true riches. You and I have the true riches. Now, what is the kingdom of God? Let's deal with that for a second. The kingdom of God. It is the authority and the rule of almighty God through Jesus Christ. We all know that Jesus Christ is the king of kings and all of us who have been born again. We are a part of that kingdom. And you remember how Jesus talked about how that the kingdom of God is inside of you. When you and I submit to the authority of Jesus Christ, then the kingdom of God is working and being manifested through our lives. We understand that we are a part of a kingdom and that Jesus Christ is the king of kings. And not only that, but it is all about his authority. It is all about his rule. It is all about his agenda and his righteousness. This is the kingdom of God. It consists of all those who've been redeemed by the blood of the lamb. The kingdom of God. It is the eternal sovereign rule of God over all created Things. There is nothing that is outside of the influence of God. How many of you believe that? I don't, I don't care what you see on CNN. I don't care what you see on MSNBC. I know sometimes you look at all the chaos and all the things that's going on and, you know, sometimes there's a tendency to think that perhaps God, God is not in control. Or perhaps you are experiencing something right now in your life and you're thinking, man, what's going on? And you're discombobulated and you're trying to figure out what's happening here. But I came to tell you today that God is in full control of all things. Nothing catches God by surprise. And so when we talk about the kingdom of God, the kingdom of God supersedes every other authority on the earth. Every other authority, listen, have to bow down to the kingdom of God. Now, there are a lot of people who don't realize that right now. But listen to me. But there's coming a day and time when they are going to realize that, listen, that the, that the kingdom of God is going to have dominant rule. But guess what? You and I are agents of Jesus Christ and the kingdom of God is inside of us. Every time you and I go and preach the kingdom, we're living the kingdom and other people can see the kingdom. Why? Because we have submitted ourselves to the authority of the kingdom of God. Can you say amen to that? Amen. Now turn with me to Matthew chapter number six. Matthew chapter number six, verse number 25. This is a passage of scripture that a whole lot of us have, are very, very familiar with. And we're talking about the importance of the kingdom. We're talking about prioritizing the kingdom because the church must recognize that it is all about the kingdom of God. And until we get to that place where we understand the valuableness and the importance of it, then we're going to be left deceived, rejected, not fully understanding what's going on and not reaching our destiny. But this is a particular passage of scripture that a lot of people quote. And, and I tell you what, and in this particular passage of scripture, go to it often because the enemy is always trying to attack us in the area of our need. How many of you would agree with that? Because all of us are needed, aren't we? But Jesus have a word for us. In Matthew chapter number six, verse number 25. This is Jesus talking. How do I know it? Because it's in the red. For this reason, I say to you, do not be worried about your life as to what you will eat or what you will drink. I want to start right there for a second. And this is just a side note. How many know that when you worry, it's a choice? Jesus will not tell you do not worry if you couldn't help but worry. He says, do not worry, which means that you and I are in control of whether or not we worry. Worry is a choice. I just thought I threw that in there. That was for free. Nor for your body as to what you will put on is not life more than food and the body more than clothing. Look at the birds of the air. They do not sow nor do they reap. Guess what? Nor gather into barns and yet your heavenly father feeds them. Are you not worth much more than they? And who of you by being worried can add a single hour to his life? How many of you have ever really benefited from worry? (laughs) Nobody. (laughs) And why are you worried about clothing? Listen to this, people. Observe how the lilies of the field grow. They do not toil, nor do they spin. Yet I say to you, that not even Solomon and all of his glory clothed himself like one of these. But if God so clothes the grass of the field, which is alive today and tomorrow is thrown into the furnace, will he not much more clothe you? You of little faith. Verse 31. Do not worry then, saying, what will we eat? <laughs> Or what will we drink? Or what will we wear for clothing? Listen to this. For the Gentiles or the unbelievers or the heathen, those who are outside of Christ, they eagerly seek all of these things. For your heavenly father knows that you need all these things. In verse number 33. But seek first his kingdom and his righteousness and all these things will be added unto you now jesus here is teaching a principle that the kingdom should be number one he's he's explaining that yes and how many know that jesus already knows what you have need of before you come you may ask the question and then why do i need to pray because the bible says that we should pray (laughs) the bible says that that the prayers of the righteous accomplish much and jesus wants us to have a relationship with him but the thing of it is, is he talks about how that all the, the, the Gentiles, the people of the world, you know what they're seeking? You know what's number one to them? Their next house, their next business deal, the things of this world. He says, listen, all the Gentiles, that is what they are seeking. That is what's really important to them. In other words, the thing that is important to them is this life and this life alone. But he says that, listen, he says, but listen, all of these things, I know the Gentiles, they eagerly seek for it. And your heavenly father knows what you need. And see, it's good to know that God knows what your need is, isn't it? It's good to know that God knows exactly what your needs are. But then there's a very, very interesting thing that he says. He says, but seek first. Look at your neighbor and say, seek first. Seek first his kingdom and his righteousness, and all these things will be added unto you. Let me stop for one second. Here's a promise. How many know that that God does not lie? He is not a man that he lies, right? Everybody would agree that Jesus will not lie. Would everybody also agree that whatever Jesus says in his word, it is going to happen? How many know that his word is true? And everything that is in this word from, from Genesis to Revelation is true, right? Well, here's what the master says. He says, if you and I would dare, he says, In fact, I dare you. I double dare you. He said, listen, put the kingdom of God first. Right. Listen to what he says. He says, if you and I will put the kingdom of God first, he now says, now I will meet all of your needs. He says, all of these things that everybody else is seeking for. Here's what God is saying. You put me first. I will meet all of your needs. That's a promise from Almighty God. He's saying, put me first. I dare you. Trust me. You know, you remember that scripture in Malachi? You know, he talked about giving. Trust me. See that I won't pour out a blessing that you will not have room to receive. Here's what he's saying, people. He is saying, if you and I ever get the principle and learn how to prioritize the first, the kingdom of God. In other words, God is number one. Now, it's not just about saying that God is number one, but it's about living that God is number one. You see, because the Bible says, Jesus says, listen, that I will meet all of your need. And so the Gentiles, they're seeking the things of this world. They are seeking all the stuff. You know, their, their, their life consists of here and now, but it should not be that way for the believer. So if Jesus makes a profound statement, he says, now, if you seek first the kingdom and he says that all these things that you have need of, I will supply, I will make sure that you get. Then why is it that some believers may not be experiencing their needs being met? Could it possibly be because we don't prioritize the kingdom? You see, if we don't prioritize the kingdom, because we already know, listen, that the word of God is true. The word of God does not lie. He says, I will meet all your need according to your riches and glory in Christ Jesus. And he says, if you put the kingdom of God first, in other words, if the things that you live for is for the glory of God that everything you do, God says, I tell you what, I'm going to meet your need. Then if it's not happening, then let's go back and deal with the reality. Are we really putting the kingdom of God first? Are we really prioritizing the kingdom? For an example, this is a sensitive area because, you know, whenever you talk about money, people always get funny. People get funny about their money. And usually that, and usually that, is, where the, that is where people, you know, you know they get funny. <laughs> I don't know how else to say it. But take, for example, the tithes and the offering. Now, many of us, now everybody knows that people treasure, a lot of times, they treasure their money. And most people in this world, people don't know God, you know what it's all about? The almighty dollar. And God deals. Listen, God knows how to deal with us right where we are. And one of the things that me and my wife have learned many, many years ago is that we always when we talk about prioritizing the kingdom. And let me say to you, and I want to say this, that we cannot afford to tithe. I heard people say that, you know, well, I can't afford to tithe. I can't afford to to give this. I can't afford to give that. But you know what my answer to that always is? I can't afford not to. Because the kingdom of God is, if the kingdom of God is really the most important thing, I give to the kingdom. And you know what? You know what else is going to show that I love the kingdom? My checkbook. You can, listen, go back and take a look at your checkbook, and you can find out real quick. Let's go back for the last six months or so, and you can find out real quick what's really important to you. And so one of the things that we've learned to do is before we give anything, before we pay any bill, we do anything else, we first give God his off the top. I mean, my wife my wife would tell you, and I'm going to tell you something, we are dead set on that. Not because I'm scared that if I don't give it, God is going to get me. I, I, listen, I'm not worried about that. The Bible says that God loves a cheerful giver. You know I don't teach legalism here. But God loves a cheerful giver. But let me tell you, when I give it, I give it from the heart. But I give to God first, off the top, that which belongs to him. But see, what a lot of us do, we get all in debt and we get all bound up. And then we get to a point that we got nothing to give. And then, you know, we pay this, that, we purchase this, we purchase that, and then all of a sudden then at the end we say, okay, what do we have left over? Then I give that to God, whatever I have left over. I mean, no, that is not prioritizing the kingdom. If the kingdom is really important to you, you will invest everything into the kingdom. Because when you invest into the kingdom, who, who does it come back on? You and I you get it back. Whatever you invest into the kingdom, you get it back. It's not about giving to a church. It's not about giving to an individual. It's not about giving to a particular government. It is about giving to God because I honor God first and foremost. And so when people talk about, well, well it's all about the kingdom, are you giving to the kingdom? Are you giving in an abundant way according to how God has blessed you? You see, that's just an example because it's not all about that. But I wanted to use that example because a lot of times we say how much we love God. But, you know, how many know that if you really love him, it's going to reflect in your checkbook? Something When you really, really love something, oh, you will see it. You'll find out real quick where you really are. But so we're talking about prioritizing the kingdom. What we want to do is we want to make sure that before we do anything, how is this going to affect advancing the kingdom? Before I move to another location, before I purchase a house, before I purchase a car, here's the thing that we need to first say. Before I do this, how will this move or this decision that I am making, how is it going to affect advancing the kingdom of God? Because that must be the priority of our lives. If it's not, we're going to be left deceived, rejected, and just like the children of Israel were doing, they were wandering because they never, ever got it. It's all about the kingdom of God and his authority that is in the earth. The Apostle Paul, turn with me, if you will, to Philippians chapter number three. Philippians chapter number three. It's in the New Testament. I want to show you something. As we all know, the Apostle Paul wrote a third of the New Testament. But here's a man that was extremely educated. This man was like that of a cardinal in the Catholic church today. He had great status. He had notoriety. He had a lot of money. This man was well-educated. He was well-known. But one thing Paul understood, Paul gave it all up. He recognized that, that just like that person, that guy defi- that found that treasure in the field, he recognized how valuable that what he had found in Jesus. And Paul gave up everything that he had to serve in it. Look at Philippians chapter number three, verse number seven. Philippians chapter number three, verse number seven. Are you still with me? All right, we're still talking about the kingdom. But who, whatsoever things were gained to me, this is, this is the Apostle Paul talking. Listen to what he says. He says, but what, so whatever things were gained to me, those things I've counted as lost for the sake of Christ. Now, you know, a lot of people say, well, you know what? That's really meant for this particular passage. It's really meant for, and this is how people rationalize it. This really meant for somebody that's really called in the ministry. I mean, this is really meant for somebody that's, that's, that's kind of really serious about their faith. I didn't know that Jesus distinguished you know, who's going to be serious and who's not to be serious about the faith. When Jesus talks about the faith, he talks about giving your life. Paul says that I am crucified with Christ. He said, nevertheless, I live, but not I, but Christ lives in me. And so a lot of people relegate this particular passage and they say, well, that's for people that is, that's really serious. God expects all of us to be serious. He doesn't distinguish in that way. But Paul, listen to what Paul says. Paul says, whatever things were gained to me, those things I have counted as lost for the sake of Christ. Look at verse number eight. He said, more than that, I count all things. Look at your neighbor and say all things. To be lost in view of the surpassing value of knowing Christ Jesus, my Lord, for whom I have suffered the loss of all things and count them but rubbish, Or useless matter, rejected matter, so that I may gain Christ. Now, here's a man, Paul recognized, he recognized what he had discovered. This man had status in the community. And you know what Paul said? Paul says, you know what? Everything that I ever gained, it doesn't mean anything to me. Paul says that right now, in other words, Paul says that right now, the most important thing to me is knowing Jesus. He says, I just want to get to know them. And then, if you continue reading that particular passage, he talked about how he wanted fellowship with his suffering and how that how that he made it his sole purpose in knowing and loving Jesus. In other words, for Paul, it was all about advancing the kingdom. And he was willing to give up everything that he had. And how many know that when we came to Christ? God expected us from us. See, here's the thing. You can't ever say when you get before God that you never heard this message. Because, see, it's a, it's a tough thing to sit under the word of God, know the truth, and then don't don't obey it. The kingdom of God must be the priority in our lives. It must be the conduit to which we filter all of our decisions. So often Christians, they just make decisions and then they think about things later. And then they wonder, how do I end up here? Did you first seek the face of God? Because remember, we are here because we want to serve his purpose. And that when we came to Christ, God wants us to die to ourselves. That means we must die to ourselves. That means that we must give it all to Jesus. Paul says, you know what? All of my accolades, my education, you know, my notoriety, you know what? I'm giving it up. I'm giving it all up for Jesus because I found that the kingdom of God, there is nothing that is more valuable. There is nothing that is more satisfying because, as I said before, the things of this world are what? Passing away. It's going away. So why do we act like this is it for us? For the Christian, the best is yet to come. (laughs) I mean, we haven't even begun to live yet. The best is yet to come. But the Bible talks about how that we have this treasure in earthen vessel. That you and I have something very valuable, but how many know that people are not going to know until you and I begin to share it, first live it, and then share it. Because people are more likely, they're going to look at your life and how you live than what you say out of your mouth. So they need to see us living the kingdom of God. Now, I I want to mention something here. How how do people know that? How how do people know that the kingdom of God is first? How do people know that? Well, it's because of our conversation, our lifestyle. You ever been about you ever been around somebody that's kingdom minded? If you're around somebody that's kingdom minded long, it won't be long before you discover, man, they all man, they love the Lord. Because all they talk about is the goodness of God. All they talk about is the kingdom of God. They could be talking about football. They could be talking about whatever. But at some particular point in that conversation, they're going to find their way back to the things of God. Why? Because it dominates their lives. Because it's all about the kingdom. And you and I will know it. And then another way that people know when we put the kingdom of God first is that we serve it. That we give ourselves, we give our lives to it. We not only give our resources, but we give our time. We give our physical strength. We give all of our efforts to this thing because we understand that there is nothing else for us. This right here is everything to us. The kingdom of God is everything to us. Listen, and we ought to live for it and we ought to die for it. And then others will see it. Others will begin to notice when the kingdom of God is really first, other people will look at it and say, you know what? Man, I, you know, that person, they they know exactly where they're going. They are all about the kingdom of God. Why isn't the church like that? I think because the enemy, he throws so many different things at us, doesn't he? I mean, he just keeps just throwing things before us. And he keeps getting us sidetracked with all the cares of this life. And, and here Jesus says, Don't worry about all this stuff in this life because, listen to me, if you put my kingdom first, I'll take care of your need. I'm going to make sure that you are taken care of. God's word is true. God cannot lie. I mean, do we get that? He's making a promise. He said, don't worry about all this other stuff. I'll take care of that. Put me first. Put me first in everything that you do. He's saying to put me first. The apostle Paul had given up everything He had given up. Listen, this man was disinherited by his relatives. He was disowned by his friends. He was persecuted by his own countrymen. People that supposedly are, you know, his brothers. People that have like affections. They persecuted him. He literally suffered the loss of everything so that he can gain Christ. Now, this is deep, isn't it? See, this, this, is, this is not surface Christianity. But how do you know that God never really intended for us to be living in shadow water? <laughs> it's all about the deep things of God. It's about growing and maturing. There's a place, there's a time we come to God. There, there, there are levels, there are stages, and all of us are at some particular stage. You're somewhere, you're somewhere on a particular stage as it relates to this lesson, this message. But there need to be a point in time where we're growing and where we're beginning to understand, okay, I know what I'm supposed to be doing as a Christian. I know what my responsibilities are. Oh, now I see it's about the kingdom. So I'm really supposed to die to myself and take up his agenda. Now, somebody might say, well, well Pastor, are you saying that I need to quit my job and, you know, uh, you know, I need to give up my house? I need to sell my car? I'm not saying that. But God might ask you to do that. If he asked you to do it, would you do it? Because what I find is, listen, wherever God has you, that is your ministry. That is your opportunity. Your job, wherever you are, that is your God did not give you that job just so that you can supply your need for your family. God didn't give us a job just so that we can make sure that our bills get paid on time. God gave us that job. God has put us where we are on a particular assignment for him, no matter where you are. No matter what your job is, no matter what you're doing, God put you there for a reason. And guess what? It is somehow tied back into advancing the kingdom. It's not just all about me meeting my needs. I mean, come on, folks. We got to go way beyond that. God is so far beyond it. He's, he's not even thinking about that because he wants us to get to a place where we say the kingdom of God is first. God, how many know that God owns the cattle on a thousand hills? that the earth is the Lord, the fullness thereof, and everything that belonged in it, and here I am serving God, loving God, giving my best to God, prioritizing his kingdom, and you mean to tell me that God is not going to meet my need? That would be unrighteous for God to do that. God will never leave you hanging like that. I mean, know that God is faithful. God is one of the things that I've discovered about the Lord. Even when I am unfaithful, many of you can testify to that. When we are unfaithful, God is faithful every single time. And he promises that he is going to care for you. He's he's saying, listen, put me first, because how many know that you're going to be tested? In fact, as soon as you leave here, you're going to be tested. Because this is one word the enemy do not want you to get. Because he wants you to put everything else before the kingdom. And, and then he tried to, you know, hey, well, you know, you need this for you. I mean, you need to take care of your family. I mean, you need to do this. I mean, you can't spend time. You can't spend all that time at church. You can't do this. You can't do that. I mean, yeah, that, you know, the Christianity stuff, I mean, you talk about a little bit. But, you know, you shouldn't should be doing that in the workplace. I mean, you know, that's going to offend some people. How many know the devil's going to attack you? But you and I know that we've been put on assignment. And I'm going to obey God rather than man. We have been called to go and preach this gospel. The woe be unto us if we don't do it because we have this treasure in earthen vessel. It is up to us. We possess all the stuff that people are looking for. Everybody is looking for what? Happiness, peace, joy, and contentment. Guess who have it? We. Now, you may say, well, I don't feel no joy. Well, you need to tap into Jesus that's a little bit more because it's all there. It's all there. Where am I? I went off on a tangent. All right. Let's talk about the supremacy of the kingdom. Look at the Daniel in the Old Testament. Daniel chapter two, verse four to four. How many know that the kingdom of God is supreme above all kingdoms? This was a powerful scripture because when I read the scripture and I hadn't read it in a while, I almost leaped up out of my skin. <laughs> because you know why? Because when we read this book, you know what it's talking about? It's talking about you and I. This is, this is our inheritance. This is who we are. Daniel chapter number two, verse number 44. And it reads, in the days of those kings, the God of heaven will set up a kingdom <laughs> which will never be destroyed. Point number one. This kingdom that you and I are a part of, guess what? It will never, ever be destroyed. The kingdom of God is an everlasting kingdom. It will never, ever be destroyed. And that kingdom will not be left for another people. It will crush. Look at this. It will crush and put an end to all these kingdoms. In other words, all of the kingdoms of the world. The U.N., the United States government, all of the governments of the world, all of the nations of the world, whatever it is that you can think of on the planet, guess what? The kingdom of God is going to crush all the kingdoms of the world. The only kingdom that's going to be left standing is the king of kings, Jesus Christ, his righteous kingdom, the kingdom of God. And it is a theocracy. For the government will be upon what? His shoulders. Hallelujah. And so this kingdom that you and I are a part of, hallelujah, is going to crush all the other kingdoms of the world. And look at what, it, look what else that verse says. But it will itself endure forever. The Bible talks about it in Revelation eleven fifteen. 15. The kingdom of this world has become the kingdom of our Lord and of his Christ. The kingdoms of this world belongs to God because there's going to come a point in time when he's going to set up a government and his kingdom will endure forever. So how many know that it is good to give to the kingdom of God? (laughs) Why do we want to give to the kingdom of God? Because when it's all said and done, it's going to be the only thing that matters all the stuff that we're doing right now, all the stuff that we're we're, we're involved in, if it's somehow not channeled back into the kingdom of God, you know what? It really don't matter. It is all about the kingdom of God. And look at Revelation chapter 21. It's the last book in the New Testament. Talk about for a moment the beauty of the kingdom. I said a moment ago how that so many people are looking for joy and happiness and peace and all of these things. And, you know, you can't seem to find it in this world. You know, even if you think you got peace in this world, it's usually temporary. Trouble comes and there you are again. But look at the Revelation chapter 20. We're still talking about the kingdom of God. Revelation chapter 21. Revelations chapter 21. Are we there? Amen. Then I saw verse number one. Then I saw a new heaven and a new earth for the first heaven and the first earth passed away and there is no longer any sea. Now I want you to, I want you to read this with an understanding that this is mine. Look at the neighbor and say, this is mine. This is, this, listen, this is our inheritance right here. This belonged to us. You ought to get excited about it. This is mine. Verse number three. And I heard a loud voice from the throne saying, behold, the tabernacle of God is among men and he will dwell among them and they shall be his people and God himself Will be among them. You know, in this kingdom, listen, when we get in the presence of God, we're gonna be so close. We won't have to go through all the fasting and prayer and trying to find God, but God will be right there with us. He is going to tabernacle right there with us. It's like we can touch Him. We will have that kind of communion with God that is beyond explanation. (laughs) And verse number four, and He will wipe away every tear from their eyes. Ain't gonna be no more tears of sadness in heaven. There's not gonna be anything but joy in the kingdom of God. And there will no longer be any death. How I many of you get tired of people dying? How I many, I, I mean, I hate death, but how I many know that for the Christian, there's no death? The Bible says he who believe in Christ, he hath eternal life. You have it now. When you and I die, we pass from life. And we go right into the presence of God. Right into the presence of Almighty God. But see, in this kingdom, there's not gonna be any more death. There's not going to be any more sorrow. All this stuff would be done away with. There's not going to be any more mourning. There's not going to be any more crying. There's not going to be any more pain. These things have passed away. And he who sits on the throne said, Behold, I am making all things new. And he said, Write, for these words are faithful and true. In other words, here's what Jesus is saying. He's saying, Write it down. Cash it is money in a bank because you know what? Just as I've said it, it's going to happen. Talking about the kingdom of God. And then he said in verse six, and then he said to me, it is done. I am. See, God already sees us exalted. God already sees us in heaven. He already sees us in our glorified state. He says, it's already done. Look at the neighbor and say, it's done. But see, here's the thing. We just got to act like it. (laughs) We got to live like we have this eternal kingdom. We need to live like, you know what? It is done. When a person have a conviction about something, man, they walk with a confidence. It's already done. They are, look, they are fully persuaded that it is done, that we have what God has promised us, the kingdom of God. Then he said to me, it is done. I'm the alpha and the omega, the beginning and the end. I will give to the one who thirsts from the spring of the water of life without cost. You see the treasure that we have, the kingdom of God. What else in this world can compare to it? Nothing, nothing. Then why do sometimes we live as though there are other things that are more important than the kingdom? It's all about the kingdom. Whether we take care of our kids, you know why we're doing it? Because we want them to grow up and do what? Advance the kingdom. Whether we purchase a house or a car, you know why we purchase a house or a car? Because ultimately, we want to make sure that the kingdom of God is advanced. Everything that we do, it's about what? The kingdom, prioritizing the kingdom, making the kingdom of God first. This is a a paradigm shift. The world don't know this. The world cannot understand this. But you and I, we have a glimpse of it because we have come into relationship with him. And we can see through the spirit what our inheritance is. And in closing, look at Luke chapter number 18. Luke chapter 18. Luke chapter 18, and I'm done. Luke chapter 18, verse 29. We'll start in verse number 28. Peter said, Behold, we have left our own homes and followed you. (laughs) Look what Jesus says in verse number 29 of Luke chapter 18. And he said to them, Truly I say to you, there is no one who has left his house, listen to this, or his wife, or his brothers, or his parents, or his children for the sake of the kingdom of God. Who will not receive many times as much at this time and in the age to come eternal life. Here's what the Lord is saying. He's saying, whatever you give up for the kingdom of God, you're going to get double that. Now, a lot of people relegate that to just, oh, material things. How many know it's material things? It's temporal. We need to think higher than that. God says, whatever we give up for him, that he's going to make sure that we get double in this life. Double joy, double peace. Yes, our needs will be met. Yes, we will be able to advance the kingdom. We will be effective in our witness. We will be able to glorify God more because why? That is our desire anyway, right? To bring glory and honor to God. We just, you know, we just want to be able to serve God and give back to him. And God, I want to be able to bless God's people. I want to be a blessing to the people of God. God said, listen, you're going to be able to do that. I'm going to give you much, much more than that in this life and in the life to come when we give it all to Jesus. See, it's all about the kingdom. And as you meditate on this message, I want you to to go home and just really begin to pray and ask God, have you prioritized the kingdom? And then be honest with yourself. If you haven't prioritized the kingdom, say, okay, Lord, here's what I got to do, and then begin to make strides toward it. Because hear hear me well, the only way that you and I are going to be fulfilled as Christians is when we totally submit to him. Because God is not going to have it any other way. He's not going to have it any other way. You and I will not experience the kind of peace and joy that we want until we give our lives to him. Because you know why? Because he paid for that life. He spilled his blood for that life and he requires it back. But guess what? But he's going to give you so much more. There is so much more for us. I mean, there are better things for us that we just got to capture it and realize it and say, "Okay, God, I'm living for this. This is what I'm going to And I challenge you, go all out for God. Don't serve him a little bit. Don't give God a little bit here and there. If you say that you're a believer, if you say it's about the kingdom, give all that you got to the kingdom. Give everything that you got to the kingdom. Figure out a way to dump it all back to God. Figure out a way to cast it back down at his feet. Figure out a way to transfer, transfer that physical wealth into the spiritual dimensions. Figure out a way to do it. If we have that kind of mindset then God will bless us. And then he makes a promise. Remember the promise. He said, I make sure that, you know, your needs the things that everybody else is concerned about because you know what the world is concerned about. He says, listen, all the other stuff everybody else is concerned about, you don't need to be concerned about that because you know what? You honor me, guess what? I'm going to honor you because you honor my kingdom first. I'm going to honor you. Let's pray. Father, we just thank you so much for your kingdom. Lord, forgive us, Lord, for those times when we haven't prioritized the kingdom, when we've allowed other things to get in the way. Father, sometimes we lose our focus, we get sidetracked. Father, we don't want to be like that. Father, forgive us. And Lord, I pray that you would help us, Father God, to press into you more. I pray, Father, that you would give us a new revelation about the things of the kingdom, that we would begin to prioritize the kingdom of God. Lord, it's not about this life. I pray that you would help us to see that, Lord. Forgive us and cleanse us, Lord. And then God set us on that path where we can begin to experience the true riches which endures forever. Because we realize, we recognize, Father God, that there is nothing that is more Rewarding. Nothing that is more satisfying than ultimate and total and complete obedience to you. This is our purpose. This is what we want. Father, we pray that you would help us to get there. Every heart, God, that wants to seek you this way. Every heart, Lord, that wants to make you number one, God, I pray you would give them favor. I pray that you would give them grace. And I pray that you would give them the, the ability to do all that is in their heart as they seek to honor you, God. And Father, we'll be sure to give you the praise, the glory, and the honor. In Jesus' name, amen.